This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 222, and we are recording on March 9th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with special guest Nicole Young, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm so happy to have you on the show today because you are our new co-host for the Kidlet These Days podcast. I am. I'm so excited to be. Yes. Yay. So tell everybody a little bit about your like reading specialties. Sure. So um, I have been an educator and an an education policy for at least for the past 10 years. And so I love reading children's literature. So picture books are my jam. Um, I also love YA. I'm a big fan of fantasy. And that has been probably the thing I've read most consistently my whole life, along with historical fiction, which I have it used to be an old love of mine, and I've, I've, we've parted ways recently, but it doesn't mean I don't love her still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel that on, like, in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Um, Nicole and I are going to recommend a bunch of books today. But before we do that, I will tell you a little bit more about how the show works in case you're new. Uh, you or uh, anyone, really, can send in questions to the show either through email, getbooked at bookriot.com, or through the form that's at the bottom of the show notes on the site, and we will do our best to find you a good next read. You can send questions for yourself, for a friend or relative, for your book club, if you're traveling, whatever. Uh, We will do our best. And if you have a time-sensitive reading request, If you could put time-sensitive either in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form, plus the date you're hoping to hear back by, we will do our best. But if we're not going to get to it on air, we might send you an email response. So keep an eye out for those. All right, we're just going to dive right into our questions. Our first question is from Brandy, who says, I'm sure this has been asked, but what would you compare to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell? Susanna Clark has a new book coming out this year, and I need something to feed my fix until the big day arrives. I loved the prose, the footnote fairy tales, the characters, the historical fiction aspects, all so good. What would you recommend? All right, before we talk about what to recommend for Brandy, we are going to do our first sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Avid Reader Press. So this next book is a really fun sounding mashup of different genres. There's a little time travel, a little romance, a little spy thriller action going on. So in the near future, a civil servant is offered the salary of her dreams and is shortly afterward told what project she'll be working on. A recently established government ministry is gathering quote unquote expats from across history to establish whether time travel is feasible for the body, but also for the fabric of space time. This is an exquisitely original and feverishly fun fusion of genres and ideas. 
The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley asks, what does it mean to defy history when history is living in your house? Colleen Bradley's answer is a blazing, unforgettable testament to what we owe each other in a changing world. It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Rife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Colleen Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so this is a hard question. (laughs) It's really hard, actually. Uh, And Nicole and I were talking just before we hit record about, like, how it's easy to come up dry, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, So I do have a recommendation for you. And it's not exactly... It's, I mean, really, there are not a lot of books like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. However, I think this one is an interesting next read. It's Confessions of the Fox by Jordi Rosenberg, which is kind of like the queer smutty <laughs> comparison. Um, I will give trigger warnings for transphobia and or fetishization um, and also racism. This is this is a book about a manuscript in a similar way. There are footnotes. Um, but instead of it being a fairy tale, it is a historical fiction about Jack Shepard, who is this like apparently legendary thief and jailbreaker, and Bess Khan, who is his sort of companion, who is also a prostitute, and they live in like 18th century London. And it so the person telling you the story is this academic who sort of frames it in a foreword and then is leaving all of these footnotes sort of telling you his story um as he's annotating this supposedly like recently discovered manuscript so the in that way there is a story in the footnotes and it is full of these like references to other materials. And I have the same impulse that I had when reading Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is like to go look up all these things and because I can't <laughs> tell if they're real or not. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good mark of historical fiction, right? Like when you right? can't tell if it's real or yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just like, oh, is this a real thing? Like, I'm just not sure. But I'm resisting the urge because I want to like live in the book and let it tell me the story that it's telling me. 
Um, and and then find out later, like how much of this was invention and how much of this was real. But you know, I'm sh- I, I have that same feeling that I had when reading Jonathan Stranger. It's just like, is the Raven King real? Like, where is this coming from? <laughs> and so I feel like that feeling. And the prose is amazing. It's very immersive. Like you feel like you're in this very like you know like vibrant and smelly and weird, you know, and like. There's just, like, people everywhere and elbows jostling and terrible, you know, people, like, trying to get Jack and Bess and all of these things. Um, and and the manuscript is especially, I mean, this whole concept is especially interesting because the manuscript says that Jack Shepard is a trans man and that Bess Khan is uh, South Asian. And so they're experiencing a lot of, you know... Um, uh, experiences because of who they are in 18th century London. So it's like a very diverse, interesting, queer, like I said, super smutty, y'all. Like there's so much <laughs> sex on the page, like almost immediate. I'm not done yet, but like just in the first hundred pages, there's so much sex. Um, So just FYI. So I think it's an interesting comfort. Like it's not a straight up equivalent to Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, but it's an interesting other direction to go. And then in just in terms of like books that have that sort of atmospheric fairy tale stuff, y'all probably know Madeline Miller. I'll just shout her out as like there's no footnotes, but I think the feelings are similar. So those I mean that's that's what we've got for that question. <laughs> Great. Um and so our second question is from Ella and she says one of the girls I nanny for, age twelve, has a lot of difficulties. She has mood disorders that lead to difficulty expressing emotions, apparently, and so do her sister and, crucially, her mother. As far as I can tell, I don't know him. Her dad has severe anger management issues, and her stepdad is on his second family and not really interested in doing a lot of parenting. It's a difficult situation for anyone, but I particularly feel for her as she enters her teens and deals with all the instability and mood swings that brings. I would really like to push her towards some coming-of-age books that deal with handling irrational people who nevertheless have have power over you, but I would also love something not too on the nose. My sense is that if she sees herself and her life too closely reflected, she will distance herself um, reflexively. So I'm hoping for something a bit fantastical. She loves Percy Jackson and weirdly Walter Isaacson's biography of Albert Einstein. As a bonus, she's a little obsessed with money as a marker of status right now, since money has been the only constant factor in her life. If you ha- if you can find anything with a little bit of a paper bag princess element to it, I would love to be able to discuss that with her. Oh, what a question. Yeah. Um, so what do you have? So mine is actually not fantastical. And I, I we focused on this book in Kid Lit these days, like this past episode, because we were talking about body um, body positivity. But 45 Pounds More or Less by K.A. Bar- Barson, I think is a great read for someone who is like in this, a 12-year-old who's kind of in this space. Um, and the reason I say it is because it's about, so it focuses on Anne Gallardi and she is 16 and she's a size 17 and her mom's a size six. It's all about these numbers right at the beginning. And she's got this wedding that she's going to, and she wants to lose uh, 45 pounds in two months to get to the wedding. And I think it's a really good book because it is for this for this target, for this person, um, because it's about the the ridiculousness of her mother, who's like the perfect size six, right, which she wants to be, and um, the, the quote unquote skinny people in life, in her life, right, and these flaws that they have as she is wrestling with her own weight and her own issues. 
Um, and of course, it comes to the kind of conclusion you would expect in like a, a YA middle grades book um, about her own identity and, and walking into her own like, you know, her own being. But on the, along the way, I think there's this conversation about her parents and, and their influence um, as she's going through this, this transition or this, this goal of like this weight loss journey, right? And it's a really smart book. It's funny, too. Um, and so I recommend it. It doesn't fit the fantastical ask, but um, I do think it talks about ridiculous adults that you have to be, you know, responsible to. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I got hooked on fantastical and also mood disorders. And the first thing I thought of was the Winter Song duology by S.J. Jones, um, which is about a young woman named Liesl who is part of a very dysfunctional family um, in like... Mm, something century, like I think it's Bohemia. Um, it's oldie times, and <laughs> like her parents own an inn, and uh, her father is an alcoholic, and her mother is just like, you know, trying to keep everything together and kind of failing and always yelling. Um, and Liesel is a very talented composer, and her younger brother is a very talented violinist. And but because it's oldie times and he's a boy and she's a girl, like, she basically is stuck, you know, helping run the family in. She'll never have any major opportunities is what she feels like. And he gets taken as an apprentice to this violin master and goes off to, like, try to, you know, make his fortune. Um, and then she also runs afoul of the local goblin king whoops um <laughs> and her sister is kidnapped and she has to like go rescue her and and lisa has um it's not diagnosed because, again, fantasy novel in olden times, but she basically has a mood disorder and, you know, is subject to very extreme emotions. And the book sort of, you know, is inhabiting her perspective. So you're feeling everything along with her. It's like really intense. And I loved it just because I think it's really real about what it feels like to, you know, be in the grips of these intense emotions and also to be in circumstances circumstances that you just like don't have any good choices in. And the second book, I think, dives even deeper into this. Um, and I don't want to give like too many plot details because spoilers, but I think there's so much discussion that could happen here. And also it is like a really fun fantasy story. Like it gets dark, I will say it gets very dark. Um, there are trigger warnings for self-harm and um, there's also like, uh, there's some sex on the page. So just FYI. But uh, but yeah, it's really um, it's just really deals with those like riding the tides of those emotions and how do you like the harm that you can do to people around you, the harm that you can do to yourself. Like how do you, you know, be yourself and not, you know, try to be somebody else, but deal with that. Uh, so yeah, so it's really I think it could be a really good discussion jumping off point. Um, so again, that's the Winter Song duology. The first book is also called Winter Song by S.J. Jones. All right. Our next question is from Dana, who says, somehow I missed learning about the Robin Hood story growing up. The only version of the story I'm familiar with is the Disney version, which I know is not the full story, obviously, with the talking animals and whatnot. Um, I'd like to find a book that tells that story. I know there's a lot out there that debates on if the story is even true or not, but I'm looking to read the story that everyone seems to know except me. I don't care if it's fictionalized or more academic or even if it's for children or adults. I've tried to read a few retellings, but they seem to assume the reader's are already familiar with the tale or with the politics 
politics of the time, which I don't know anything about either. Do you know a good starting point for this well-loved story? Nicole, what do you have for our asker? Well, first of all, I want to like make sure I still say that I love the Disney version. So of good. So <laughs> I good. Just, I think it's just a solid, it's a solid showing. But either aside from that, I thought it would be good for for this reader um, to read a graphic novel. So I put I put in um, Outlaw, The Legend of Robin Hood by Tony Lee, and it's illustrated by Sam Hart and Artur uh, Fujita. Um, and it's just really, I thought it was really a good version of this Robin Hood, right? And so it gives you the historical context, but there's also just images, um, which I think are a crucial piece of the Robin Hood story, mm-hmm. right? Like this, um, you know, like you're robbing from the rich to give to the poor. What are the, like, the actual conditions of the poor in that time. And it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's great to have that kind of imagery to go along with it, um, which I think is also why the, I think that the Disney version is compelling for young people because you like see the the cute little mice in jail and you're like, this is so unjust, right? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, so I think that the, this graphic novel version does it, it, like it tells the full story. It gives you all the background and then you've got this visual element that accompanies it, which I appreciate. So. I am going to have to look that up. Will you say the name um, and authors again one more time for everybody? Yes. Outlaw, The Legend of Robin Hood by Tony Lee. And the illustrators are Sam Hart and Artur Fujita. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Um, I have a pick from my childhood. It's The Outlaws of Sherwood by Robin McKinley. And I read this book a bajillion times. I just read it over and over and over again. Um, It is definitely like the sort of soft, you know, fantasy adventure version, although there's no magic of Robin Hood. But, I, you know, you meet all the characters. Maid Marian is actually a badass archer in this edition, which is great. I know. It's so good. Um, and And it's hard for me to remember exactly like how deep it gets into the politics of the times. I don't actually think it goes that deep because it is sort of a middle grade retelling, but it does give you the context of, you know, who Robin is, why is he in the woods? What is he fighting against? Like you get all of that. Um, And I will just say that like, there are a bunch of adult retellings that like really dive into, you know, him potentially being like a returned knight from the Crusades, kind of like the Kevin Ooh. Costner uh, Robin Hood. Um, and those are much darker and like there's a lot more sex. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, Jennifer Robertson, I'll leave a note in the show notes um, about one of those. But I just love the Outlaws of Sherwood because, you know, it is it's just like the gentle, beautiful sort of less animal but (laughs) very like enjoyable atmospheric version of the outlaws of Sherwood that does still have that heart of like righteous anger which is what drives Robin Hood so um, again outlaws of Sherwood by Robin McKinley and I'll leave a note uh, about the the darker sexier uh, one as well Um, because you know sometimes you need dark and sexy yeah you need dark and sexy every once in a while (laughs) great our next uh, question is from Leanne hello hello I am looking for books that give me what I think of as a 90s rom-com feel. Usually these are adult books that have a romance story but aren't overly steamy. They feature a few quirky friends and most importantly have some humor. Examples include Bridget Jones' Diary, of course, Rainbow Rowell's and Meg Cabot's adult books, and the Walsh Family series by Marion Keys. Diversity is always a plus. Thank you. Okay, so if people have not read Jasmine Guillory, I am an evangelist. I am a person who is constantly talking about her books. And they I think it's because they give me the 90s rom-com feel. Mm. Like, I just, every time I read a Jasmine Guillory, I'm like, yeah. 
yes, give me all of that. Give me the like wrapped up ending. I want that. I want the quirky friends in the background with the pithy one-liners. Like I want all of that. Um, and so I recommend The Proposal or Royal Holiday, which are the least steamy, of the, I think, of the books that she just came out with um, or she's recently come out with. So The Proposal um, is these these two. And it's all of these books are in a series of books where everyone knows each other, right? So she kind of picks off a couple for each book to highlight. Um, and then you kind of know the other characters because of the other books, which is a really nice. They're not and it, I, I hesitate to call them a series because they mm. are, but maybe like maybe a little bit more loose. Um, but everyone in these books knows each other, so which is nice. Um, and the proposal is like basically they're at a um, an amuse like at a baseball game, and the main character gets proposed to. Nikki gets proposed to, and the other Carlos is there, and he like sweeps her off of her feet, rescues her from this horrible proposal, and then it goes on from there with this total '90s rom com feel, which is lovely. And the royal holiday is a similar um, similar vein, so I recommend either of those by Jasmine Guillory, who is a black writer um and who writes about diverse couples which is really cool yeah i thought immediately of those but then i wanted to i actually have been looking for an excuse to read the book i picked for a while now and i was like oh Mm -hmm. here's my excuse (laughs) (laughs) so i'm in the middle of it it's sophia khan is not obliged by aisha malik um i will give some trigger warnings for racial harassment and fat phobia because what this is this is amazing this is basically a bridget jones remix but with a muslim pakistani british heroine and yes it's so much fun um the fact phobia is that she's also like counting calories and like a little bit obsessed with her weight and nobody Ooh. ever calls her on that in in the same way that you know that happens in Bridget Jones but like as long as you can like sort of skate by that it's really entertaining um and she's a hijabi and she experiences you know like trying to get on the train like somebody mutters something about her being a terrorist and like she has those experiences but it's also like she's got such a sense of humor and it's told in diary entries very similar to Bridget Jones nice. and it's so funny oh my god like her sister's getting married her parents are on her about like you know you're 30 you whereas like we can set you up with all these men she's like absolutely not (laughs) and then in like an ill-advised moment at work she suggests that somebody should write a muslim dating book and they're like great you should do it and she's just like um and so (laughs) so you're getting you know her trying to write this book about dating while muslim she's having all of these like terrible dates there's also a witty banter guy that like are they a thing are they not a thing um and so yeah i'm like i said i'm about halfway through it i'm really enjoying it there are like great secondary characters she's part of a whole community and i just love seeing a heroine on the page who's like really frank about her commitment to her religion but is also like you know wanting a cigarette and like having ridiculous outings with her friends and you know I don't know it's just so like it's just we need more of this and I'm so glad I finally got to read this book um it's been out for a minute um so I'm behind on this this is exciting I haven't read this and I'm definitely going to dive in oh yeah it's got a great cover too I really like the cover um so yeah I'm all about this book right now and definitely recommend it for exactly this kind of reader. So again, that's Sophia Khan is Not Obliged by Aisha Malik. And let us take a quick break for another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. 
Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player Shane's shenanigans. Because you know what? If they shenan once, they'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building. But turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan. And who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor? So a a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, but Diana is used to living by the rules. Will she learn that when it comes to love, rules are meant to be broken? Make sure to check out The Dixon Rule by L. Kennedy. L. Kennedy is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author with over a million copies of her books sold. So this is going to be another banger, y'all. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks Landmark. So King Solomon says something very interesting to his son before he dies, and that is, quote, don't let the white man take the house, end quote. These, as I just mentioned, are King Solomon's last words to his son as he dies. Now, all four Solomon siblings must return to North Carolina to save the kingdom, their ancestral home, and 200 acres of land from a development company. Told in alternating viewpoints, Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris is a searing portrait of the power of family and letting go of things that no longer serve you, exploring the burden of familial expectations, the detriment of miscommunication, and the lessons and legacies we pass on to our children. It's an explosive and emotional story of four siblings, each fighting their own personal battle, because who isn't, who return home in the wake of their father's death. Make sure to check out Long After We Are Gone by Tara Shelton Harris. And thanks again to Sourcebooks Landmark for sponsoring this episode. Okay, our next question is from Anya, who says, I'm normally a big reader of fantasy, Night Circus, Little Big, The Magicians, or things set in the Victorian era, The Fair Fight, Misfortune, The Crimson Petal, and The White. My book choosing mojo seems to be off lately, so I'm wanting to try something totally new. Would you be able to recommend any books similar to movies, such as Dan in Real Life, This Is Where I Leave You, I know it's a book, but I saw the movie first. I recently realized a pattern in my life of loving modern family dramas especially when it's a family coming together for a life event, such as in these films. Realism is great, but elements of the fantastical and weird are totally fine as well. Nicole, what you got? So um, I'm, I live in New Orleans, and so this book was a big splash on the scene um, this past year. It's called The Yellow House. It's a memoir, and it's by Sarah M. Broom. And so it focuses on um, a mother, Ivy May, and she's bought the shotgun in New Orleans, which is our traditional house here. Um, and it's all about like a, like a hundred year telling of the history of this family in this home in this city, right? And so just by like nature of it being set in New Orleans, there's a little bit of the fantastical because it is like this kind of mythological city is New Orleans, but you're following this whole family as they're going through um, all of these generations. And I just think it's excellently done. Um, I'm, ha- I'm about halfway through. I haven't completed it yet, so I haven't gotten to the end end. Um, but I think Sarah Broom does a really great job of telling the story of weaving narratives. It just feels so honest and heartfelt. And the way that she's telling the story, the prose are just really, really, really gorgeous. And she's telling a story about New Orleans in terms of like gentrification and the haunting of, you know, 
your ancestors who have been in, you know, pain and trauma through slavery, et cetera. Like she talks about all of that through this, this family and the shotgun home. Um, and I think it's just excellently done. So I think it, this would fit this reader a lot. Uh, the Yellow House by Sarah M. Broom. I am dying to read that. I, I remember when it was coming out and I was like, ooh, and I put it on my list and I just haven't gotten to it yet. So it's great to hear that it's recommended. It is. So, okay, I have a novel for you. It's All This Could Be Yours by Jamie Attenberg, which comes with a trigger warning for domestic violence. This is definitely like the gang all gets back together because of a family moment. Um, The patriarch of this family, all of the children are grown, is Victor Tuckman, who was a real estate developer and like a bad man. (laughs) Like he, you know, was abusive towards his wife um, and had all of these affairs and like was engaged in all of these nefarious business practices. And he's been hospitalized. I think it was a stroke. Um, But regardless, he's in the hospital. It's not looking good. And so all of the children, grown children, have been notified and are, you know, coming or not coming back to actually to New Orleans um, to be with the family. And you get all of these different perspectives from members of the family. So you get Barbara, who is Victor's wife, who like, why did she put up with this? And what did she want out of her life and what did she get out of her life um and then you get alex who is the daughter and she like is desperate to understand why her mother stayed with her father knowing what they all know now about her father and then you get gary who's like you know mia he's maybe not coming back his marriage is falling apart like he just desperately wants to not be his father and can't quite figure out how to do that And then you get Gary's wife, Twyla, who, like, shows up to be part of the family and is having her own issues. And there's just so much going on. And because it's Jamie Attenberg, there's a very, like, biting sense of humor. Um, And it's also, it is, she moved to New Orleans a couple of years ago. And it's very much a love letter to New Orleans um, that, you know, looks into things like gentrification and, you know, the different, like, neighborhoods and people's experiences there and oh it's just like really there's so much going on and it's all so engaging and wonderful um so again that's all this could be yours by jamie attenberg i love that there are two love letters to new orleans on that list that's pretty good i know that was an unintentional (laughs) (laughs) i love it though (laughs) the next question is from shaina um last summer i read the book the selection and loved it I then read all of the sequels and the Kiara Cass other and the Kiara Cass's other books. I am now in the market for similar books. I love the combination of royalty, romantic comedy, and the reality TV type dating competition. I've also read the glittering court books, the Red Queen, the Jewel, and the Lunar Chronicles. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. I love the show. Um, so I had the Matchmakers list by Sonia Lali. It doesn't have the royalty aspect, but it does have this kind of um, <laughs> does have this like reality TV show. But the reality TV show is orchestrated by Reina's grandmother. Reina is the main character, right? And so her grandmother, her nanny, is uh, thinks that she needs to get serious about getting married, right? And so she's like, "I'm going to line up some some bachelors for you, some acceptable Indian men who can um, who can be." your potential lovers, right? And so the rest the the rest of the story is just this like series of horrible dates and <laughs> disastrous <laughs> like disastrous blind experiences that she's having, right? Through this bachelor like basically the bachelor set up by nanny that she's going through, um Reina's experience. And so it's like 
the modern day version of like what is an arranged marriage. It's also like a marriage trap. It's a little bit like the Bachelor TV show. I I thought it was very <laughs> funny. I thought it was a very funny book, and it's a quick read. So, The Matchmaker's List um, by Sonia Lali. Nice. So, for this one, I kind of got hooked on The Lunar Chronicles as a comp. And so, I picked Tracked by Jenny Martin, which does have, like, a TV sort of reality aspect to it. But it's not dating. It's, like, car racing. But bear yes. with me. So, <laughs> so, this takes place in, like, a version of, you know, our universe where there's space travel and there's all these different planets and stuff. And um, the main character, Phoebe, is seven and she lives on a planet called Castra or it's a city called Castra I can't remember which it is anyway it doesn't matter she is the daughter of a legendary racer who he disappeared mysteriously and she is like determined to be you know to live in his legacy and to be a racer and she and her best friend also are kind of like in like, you know, doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing, like, you know, hanging out with the wrong crowd, et cetera, et cetera. And they get uh, the attention of the head of a corporation that is like basically ruining everybody's lives. Like it, they control everything and it's not good. But, you know, they come to the attention of the CEO and they get blackmailed into racing for that company. And so Phoebe gets put on this racing team where suddenly she has all these resources, but like also she's racing for the people she hates. It is a little bit of like a Robin Hood situation, actually, <laughs> um, just to like bring it all back around. Right, and there's like a little bit of a love triangle. Like she's falling for her new teammate who's like very slick and charming and then there's like you know this whole subplot with like a rebellion thing happening and it's really so much fun and it is like a you know space story and there's great characters and there is like it's not royalty but there's a lot of money being thrown around and there's all of these different you know plots going on and I think you'll find it a really enjoyable reading experience um there's two books I believe out So, again, that's Tracked by Jenny Martin. And our last question is from G, who says, I'm going through a stressful time right now and have totally stopped reading books. However, what I'm reading is a lot of slash fan fiction. I'm looking for books that give me some of the same feels as I edge my way back to reading actual books. I don't read much adult romance, but I love YA romance like Becky Albertalli, Mackenzie Lee, and Rainbow Rowell. Can you recommend me something easygoing and fairly fluffy? LGBT rep not essential, but preferred. Nicole, what'd you pick for this one? So I picked To All the Boys I've Loved Before by Jenny Han. And um, I love this book. I love this book. And it, it, for me, is like perfect, fluffy YA romantic comedy. And I was really happy when it got made into one and then later on two movies for Netflix. Um, but I love the actual book, right? So it follows 16-year-old Lara Jean's song. Um, and so she's got this like hat box that her mother's given her. And she's written these letters to every boy that she's ever loved, right? Five and all. And she writes this and she pours, she's pouring out her heart. Um, and then the secret letters get mailed to people. If you haven't seen this on Netflix, it's totally, the book is, is like, it's just great. (laughs) And so then she like, it goes on like the disaster that happens after her, these mail, these letters are mailed out against her will. Right. And each person reads them. And then she has to reckon like with all of the, the, the fallout afterwards. Um, they're fast reads. Um, and I just really like Jenny Han's style. 
um, which I think is like a perfect palate, pal- palate cleanser if you are um, going through a reading drought. I also was going through a reading drought for a while. And YA um, romance was the thing that I that got me back into reading. Just reading like quick, like um, this person says slash uh, fan fiction, but mm-hmm. like romance is what got me back in. I would just pick up any YA book. And this was one of the books that was on, on the list at the time. So um, I highly recommend. Yeah, I I really feel this question, too, because it can be so hard when you're dealing with like personal or environmental or whatever stress to like have any emotional energy for yeah. things that require like a lot from yeah, you. And there's nothing, thought, you know, right. Like th- there's a reason that we have all spent like three years watching the Great British Bake Off. Like, yeah. So, so it's this, such a good point. Oh my gosh, it's just really real. So I feel this question, and I I think you will really love my pick too. Um, although you know, super cosigned to all the boys I loved before, and the Netflix movie, so enjoyable. Um, but yeah, so I picked Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn, which I think I talked about on this show, but I'm just gonna talk about it again because it's so great. Um, it does have uh some ace phobia and um an incident of sexual harassment at a party, but is so sweet and funny and fluffy and just lovely. Um, And it is about Alice, who is uh, asexual, but she's like still struggling to own that word. Like she's not 100% comfortable with it, even though she knows her identity and like is fine with that. It's just the label that she's struggling with. Um, And when the book opens, she's being broken up with by her girlfriend, because of this and her girlfriend is just not understanding and is just basically like saying all of the terrible things that like all of these misconceptions around what it means to be asexual. And in the meantime, Alice is also dealing with her parental expectations. They want her to be a lawyer. They're all like very high powered. Um, And she like, you know, she wants to do well, but that's just not where her interests are. And so, you know, she's trying to figure out how to, you know, show her parents that like she has ambitions and is good at things. It's just not what they want her to do. Um, And then she it's over the summer of her like college season. She is she gets a part time job at a local library and her new coworker Takumi, like she has this thing called her cutie scale where like everything gets like a color and a rating on the cutie scale. And he like blows the lid off of her cutie scale like scale no longer means anything because he is just the cutest thing to ever cute (laughs) and she's got like she's developing you know feelings about him but she's just been burned on relationships so many times before she's very nervous about doing anything about it and then she's got these two best friends who she loves and she lives with and they're getting married and she's feeling more and more like a third wheel so there's like some friend reckoning that has to happen um so she's dealing with all of these real issues but like they're also it's very rom-com feeling it's very like sweet there's so much support for everyone like even though you know they're fighting sometimes and like they're struggling to like you know she's having a fight with her mom or her sister or her roommates like they all so clearly love each other and want what's best for each other and it's really rooted in that and it's just so soothing to me it's like oh right like we can have conflict but also (laughs) support at the same time like oh I love that we all need that Um, and there's a really satisfying ending it's very delightful so again that's Let's Talk About Love by Claire Kahn
And Jen, I think Claire Kahn wrote also If It Makes You Happy, which I remember seeing that cover out at the bookstore. And I was like, I have never seen a cover that features a black girl in braids looking like this before. So just shout out to Claire Kahn for... Um, yeah, I just yeah. never seen a cover like that book. So. Yeah, the cover for Let's Talk About Love is also great because it is she's um, Claire or excuse me, Alice, the main character is a black girl and she's got this like amazing fro and like she just looks so happy and blissful. Like it's a cover that you just want to be like, yes, like that, ugh, like black girl magic right there. Like that's what it is. <laughs> so yeah, it's deeply satisfying and lovely books and great LGBT re- representation. Um, and that's our show. We just blazed right through that. That was quick. Yeah. Super (laughs) fun, though. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. So as you heard at the top of the show, you can hear more of Nicole's picks over on Kidlet these days. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening. If you are so inclined, you can leave us a rating and or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to see the feedback and it does help other book nerds to find the show. Thank you so much to today's sponsors. And you can find me on social media in between shows at Twitter, Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL, or on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And thanks again to Nicole for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jen. <laughs>